Good morning, everyone. Lovely to, to be back with you all. I've not been here for the past couple of Sundays. Um, as I'm sure many of you know, I um, had COVID in my household, so unfortunately every single one of us uh, came down with it. Um, so it's been a, a tricky couple of weeks, you could say, as a family. Um, but just thank you, first of all, for those... We didn't go purposely telling everyone because we were doing okay. Um, but for those of you that, that did know, thank you for your thoughts and your prayers. It means a lot. It's times like that where you really know, actually, we're part of a community together. That we're brothers and sisters together in Christ. Um, but, so we've all finished our period of isolation. Um, all very tired. Brain a bit foggy. Hopefully I'll give the right sermon this morning. Um, but we're just starting to find our feet again as a family. Um, on occasions, but to be honest, on the whole, we did quite well. Um, but on occasions, all I could do was go back to bed uh, and just just need to rest a bit. And I don't know what you do when when you stop. If ever you stop, if life is calm enough that you can never stop uh, and calm down. Um, and where where does your mind go when you get a moment? What what do you think about when nothing else is pressing in? What, what brings you pleasure to think about? What, what, where instinctively do you go? For me, um, particularly when you're quite tired, I find it limiting on what you can do. But um, I read for a bit in bed, uh, and then I watched a short series on YouTube. And this series was excellent, I have to say. Um, I couldn't wait to watch the next episode. Uh, and it really inspired me, it infused me, and it even brought fresh revelation to my life. So the point, where I wish I'd learnt this thing years ago. And that journey carried on over the next couple of days as I did a little bit more exploring of this topic and things. And there's something else that I learned. And so these two things actually were, were, were key things that if I'd known a long time ago would have changed a certain aspect of my life. I could feel almost old passions uh, stirring in me. I could feel like the trajectory of my life almost changing, my thought patterns changing. What was it? We'll come back to that a bit later. I know. So this is week three in our eight-week series, Good News. And last week, Sam started with a specific focus looking at the hearts. And we're continuing on with that focus this week, um, specifically looking at idolatry as part of that. The Bible is clear we are to guard our hearts, for they are the wellspring of life. Our hearts in the Bible refer to our inner man, our spiritual life, where we do our thinking, our feeling, and our choosing, where we make decisions. Jesus tells us in Matthew 13, uh, in the parable for Sower, that the conditions of our heart really matters. He talks about the sower that sow seed, some fell on the path, some fell on rocky ground, some fell on amongst thorns, and some fell on fertile good soil. I just want to focus on the thorns for a second. When Jesus talks, tells his disciples what the meaning of the parable was, he said that the seed is the word of God that has been distributed. And the seed that fell on the ground where there was thorns, it could grow, and it did grow. 
But what happened was the cares of the world, which are the fawns, and the deceitfulness of riches, which are the fawns, grew up and choked the word, so it became ineffective. And I just want to make the point that sometimes thorns and things grow in good fertile soil, so the general condition of our heart can be right, can be good, can be something that God's word can, can really grow in, but actually, if we're not careful, there can be thorns there that grow and outcompete and choke it and actually cause the word of God to be unfruitful in our lives. The prophet Samuel was sent to anoint the son of Jesse to be the next king after Saul. Uh, and Jesse had many sons, and the first he came upon was Eliab. And he thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. He looked at him, he looked at his stature, and thought, this is the one that God is going to choose. And God said, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Our hearts are important. They really matter to God. But their condition also needs to matter to us. In Romans 1, 23-25, Paul summarises the fall of humanity in sin by describing it as idolatry. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. He says we refused to have God as, our, as the most important thing in our lives. We refused to give him the glory that he deserved. It says we exchanged the glory of the immortal God for created things. In essence, Timothy Keller helpfully puts it like this. Rather than worshipping God, serving God, and ruling over creation as God originally intended, as we see in Genesis, we actually worship, uh, we actually, yeah, worship and serve created things, and creation rules over us. So we were made to worship and serve God, and then to rule over creation, to bring God's glory in creation. And actually, by exchanging the glory of God for, by worshipping creation, we worship and serve creation, and creation actually rules over us. He goes on to describe an idol. Is anything that becomes more fundamental to you than God, to your happiness, to your meaning in life, or to your identity? Idolatry is a, an excessive desire for anything, even good things, especially good things. Therefore, anything can become an idol. Career, work, it's something that God has given us. It's a gift from God, actually. It might not seem like it at times, living in a fallen world. It's, it's not necessarily the easiest of things, but actually it is good for us. I, I actually said to Alex at times, I, I value work. I enjoy work. I actually, if there's seasons where I don't, go, don't work for a while, I miss it. Family, achievement, some good political cause, physical attractiveness, romance, human approval. I don't know why I looked Sam in the eyes. I said that. Um, human approval, financial security, or anything. So all of those things can find that they can actually be really good things. But actually, if your desire for those things is too much, 
they can become idols. It's coming back to anything that takes the God, the place of God in your life, anything that draws from, from his glory being the primary thing in our life, actually is an idol. If you've got your Bibles, can you turn to Romans 1? Uh, and verse 18 to 25. Just a second. It's, I think he's about to put it on the screen as well. <coughs> so it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For he is invisible. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honour him as God, or gave thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of God, the glory of your immortal God, for images resembling mortal man, and birds, and animals, and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in their lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonouring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, is blessed forever. Amen. So humanity exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. We could, in a sense, conclude here that Paul's talking about non-Christians. But as Christians, we're in Christ. As Christians, we're clothed with Christ's righteousness. As Christians, we're not under law, but we're under grace. So sin will have no dominion over us. We know and love the one true God. We don't reject that knowledge. We do pursue his glory. So therefore, idols won't affect me. If you turn to 1 John 5, 21... It says this, little, tri- little children, keep yourself from idols. That's the very last verse in the whole of 1 John. Now, idols are not mentioned anywhere else in 1 John. So either there is a sudden change of topic for one short sentence, just to conclude the book, which seems highly unlikely, or actually the whole book is about what it means to stay clear of idols, to not walk in idolatry, but to walk a life seeking the glory of God. This is a bold call. If we look at the book of John, uh, of 1 John, it's, it's a call to, to live in the light as he is in the light. It's a call to holiness, to love and to truth to live in these things. And what Paul's saying is it's only possible to walk in holiness, love, truth, if we're free from idols. 
Why? Because at the root cause of our failure to walk in holiness, something else is taking precedent in our life over Jesus. Something else has become more important, whether it's human approval, money, power, comfort. There is something that in that moment we're willing to break the law of God for. So take a sin, for, say, take um, lying, for example. Say there's something you lie about. Some, and say, generally, you don't, you don't go around lying all the time. But just say you're, you're aware of this. a situation someone asks you about something. Did you do this? And you say no, even though you know you did. In that moment, you are choosing something other than Christ. Because Jesus would want you to tell the truth. That's what holiness is. Jesus would want you to, to be honest, wouldn't he? He'd want you to, to face that. But actually, it can be so easy, can't it? Just be like, no, no, it wasn't me. And you feel like there's no consequence or anything like that. But actually, you're putting something else before the glory of Christ. Going back to, to how I started this morning, the short YouTube series I watched, I didn't tell you this earlier because it probably would all switched off. It was about guitar. Okay. <laughs> it was about guitar technique. Uh, and so I've been playing guitar since I was 11, really, um, or a lot since I was 11. I went to music school, uh, studied there for a few years. I then taught uh, part-time at the music school, ran my own private teaching guitar business. And what I came across in this video um, is something I've never heard of before. It makes perfect logical sense when you delve down into it. And it's something that, in the way that, I won't go into too much detail, but just in the way that I, say, play the strings with my right hand and with my left hand, actually, by understanding these things, will completely change how you see what you're playing, how you play the guitar. And there's so many things that I've struggled with in the past that I just couldn't get my head around. Like, why can't I do it? Why, can't, why doesn't it make, why can't, doesn't make sense to me? And actually, this, this little thing completely unlocks it. But it brought me to this place where, where actually, it, I, I wanted to give myself to it. It, it was like, oh, if I'd known this in the past, it would, it, would have, it would have changed my guitar playing. Maybe even actually I would have continued being a full-time guitarist. Maybe actually I would have gone into it professionally, not just teaching, but actually doing it. But these hurdles that I've had, that held me back. Um, and actually, what I realised was happening was this thing was starting to encroach on things that I'd known God had called me to in this time of my life. This passion, and guitar, don't get me wrong, I think it's great. I honestly love it, I think it's good in of itself, it's not an idol. But what I realised was happening, there was this pull on my heart that was, it was just starting to take the wrong place in my life. And I knew that to, to overcome these things would take time, would take effort, and I'm not afraid of that. Um, but actually what I realised was it was just starting to, to hold my heart in the wrong way. And do you know what, actually? It's almost embarrassing to say this, but it's actually painful realising that. It actually like, hurt. Like, I had to pray about it and seek God about it. And 
Do you know what, though? Sometimes that's how we recognise idols in our life. It's the things that are painful to let go. It's, the, it's, it's when something... You, you, you feel like God's putting his hand on something in your heart and, and you just feel like, oh, no, no, I don't, no it's not, I don't need to stop doing that, do I? I don't need to stop doing that. I don't need to let that thing go. It's okay. It's not that bad. It's not a sin, is it? Whereas actually, idols are often the thing beneath the thing. So say that you like buying new clothes and so you work blocks so you have money to buy new clothes. It, you, could, you could say that work is the idol. You could say that money is the idol. But actually, maybe the idol is I need to look a certain way to feel accepted by other people. So actually, as, as we're going through this thing to, to, to try and actually see, are there, are there idols in my life? It's often not the obvious thing. It's often, we, we need to delve deeper. Um, I wasn't going to use this quote, so I didn't write it down, but one person <laughs> said, um, if, if we ask the question, are there any idols in my life? We're likely answer, well, I love God, I love my family, uh, I love serving other people, no, and just walk on. But actually, a lot of the time, often the idol is our nightmare. What's that thing where we feel like we'd lose meaning to life if it was taken away? What is that nightmare? And actually, if you think about that, often that is actually the thing that is an idol in your life or can very easily be an idol in your life. Is there something pulling for that prime place in your heart? I asked this question earlier about where does, you, where does your mind go when you stop? When nothing else is pressing, what do you think about? Interesting, do you ever think about God in those moments? Now that's not to say that we have to think about God in all those moments to be glorifying him. But actually, a lot of the time, what I'll do, if I have a spare minute, is get my phone out maybe scroll through Facebook, uh, and maybe, this is a funny thing, I could, I could even see it's leading up to it. For me, it'll be a guitar video. I'll watch some sort of YouTube video about guitar, about guitar technique, or something like that. Trying, but it's almost flicking through, trying to find something to satisfy me, if that makes sense. It was like, oh, that, that was good, that was interesting. Right, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? There's this wonderful Bible verse. I'm doing some work for Barbara at the moment. Sorry, I had to stop for two weeks. Um, but... She sent me a card beforehand with um, a check-in for an advance of some money. And on it, there was this the Bible passage, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. And I was, I was a beautiful Bible verse, absolutely love it. Uh, and going back at you a, a few weeks, life, life was really busy and there was a lot going on. I was finding it quite, quite stressful. And actually, I was praying about that Bible verse, and actually, I just suddenly felt challenged to, to stop going on my phone in those moments. And actually, I started praying again in those moments. I've done that before in the past, and I, I started just thinking of God. And you know what? His perfect peace came. God's perfect, but where I was missing it, his perfect peace came. 
Even to the point where I started worrying, why am I so peaceful when I know this is going on? It's bizarre, isn't it? Um, but we, we need to ask this tough, it's a tough question, it's a painful question. But are there idols in our lives? Or are, is there something where we're exchanging the truth of God for a lie? As a loving, caring father, God wants the best for you, for me, for all of us. He's created us, he's created us in his image, to bear his image, to be in relationship with him, to do life with him. Thomas Chalmers, in his famous sermon, sermon, Expulsive Power of a New Affection, says that no one ever changed a habit just by trying. Nobody changes fear or racial prejudice just by trying. Just by saying, oh, I shouldn't be like that. I'm going to stop being like that. He goes on to say, the heart is so constituted that the only way to dispossess it of an old affection is by the expulsive power of a new one. What he's saying is that the only way to get rid of an old passion is to drive out out with a new passion, a greater passion, an all-encompassing passion. God knows that. And God, if we went back to that passage in Romans, it talks about how, how we actually became blind to the truth of who God is. We, we rejected it. Uh, and then as, as fools, we, 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 went, we went away from it. It doesn't, it doesn't even almost process in our thoughts anymore. And God sent Jesus, his one and only son, to die for us on the cross, to lay everything down for us, that we might be his bride. Lots of people here in the room are, are married and hopefully if you're not you can still engage with us in some way but when Alex and I were going to get married she, there, there was the wire stuck in my shoe. There were so many um, I'd think about her a lot. I'd think about her a lot. She, she, in some ways, she was an, an all-controlling passion in my life. As in, like, do you know what I mean? Like, she would, she'd be in my thoughts a lot. She was what? I couldn't, we were planning the wedding day. We were looking forward to the wedding day. And, and it was this, almost like this, this passion that did affect every area of my life. And we are called to be the bride of Christ. We sang this morning that Jesus is beautiful. What he's done for us is amazing. He needs to be our greatest passion. I've said this before, but I really find this to be true. I think we hunger after what we feed ourselves on. So actually, I went through a long time where I wasn't watching guitar videos on my phone. And that was totally fine. And actually, I had no words to start watching guitar videos on my phone. But then at some point, there was something that I did watch. And that's fine, that's good. But actually, it slowly built momentum and became a thing that I just kept doing and kept doing and kept doing. 
Psalm 115 says, All who make idols and all who trust in idols become like them. So actually, whatever we're giving ourselves to, whatever is the greatest passion in our life, it's going to affect us. It's going to shape us. But it's also true with God that actually if he's our greatest passion, if we're seeking him, if we're pursuing him, if we're feeding on him, we will become more like him. Pursue Jesus, seek him, feast on him, worship him, rest in him. He will win your heart. In moments of weakness, remind yourself of the gospel, of who he is and what he has done for you. He laid down everything for you, that you might have life and have it to the full. What is that life that we may have? It's life with him. That's what true life is. It's walking with God. It's knowing him. It's enjoying him. That's the thing that we were made for. That's the greatest pleasure we can have in life, is being with him. I just encourage you this week, just to find, find some time, maybe have a cup of tea and sit down, but allow, allow God to highlight you God, actually, are, are there any idols in my life right now? Or is there something that's very much in danger of becoming an idol at the moment? It's in Psalm 139. I love that the psalmist starts by saying, God, you have searched me and you've known me. And at the end, he, he finishes with saying, God, search my heart and know if there's any grievous way in me. The psalmist wants to be holy. He wants to be pure. It's going to finish with this and, and then pray. It says in 2 Peter 1.3 His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. God I thank you that you have made us to know your glory to live in your glory and to proclaim your glory and make your glory known. And Lord, I just pray this day, win our hearts that bit more. Lord, help us to give ourselves to you. Help us to live lives where, where we feed on you, where we love you, where we walk with you, where we enjoy you, and where we shine you to those around us. Come, be with us, we pray. Amen.